Hi, I'm Shelley Cameron, CEO of the City of Philadelphia's Division of Aviation, and you're listening to my podcast, Taking Off, where I take you behind the scenes and give you a rare glimpse inside Philadelphia International and the Northeast Philadelphia airports. Nearly 85% of people in the United States say they expect to travel this summer, according to new data from the U.S. Travel Association. In fact, foot traffic through the TSA checkpoints in the U.S. over the most recent holiday weekend was only slightly less than it was in 2019 before the pandemic. While travelers may be back to pre-pandemic levels, the travel experience is most certainly very different. Joining me now from the travel lifestyle media platform, The Points Guy, is managing editor of news, Clint Henderson. Clint, I am so excited to have you on the program. Thank you for joining me. Of course. I'm so happy to be here. I know you're a New Yorker, but I've got to start by asking, have you been to Philadelphia? I have, and I actually love the Philadelphia airport. I find that it's not as crowded as some of the other airports you go to, like Charlotte and Phoenix, where they have so many flights operating in antiquated terminals, and it gets really crowded. So I love Philly because it's the times I've been there, it's felt manageable and serene as airports can be. And I think the collection of lounges is pretty spectacular there. So I love Philly. Oh, wow. Thank you for saying that. So you mentioned Phoenix and Charlotte. Does that mean you fly a lot on American Airlines? So I was a huge American Airlines flyer until the past couple of years. And then as they made it more expensive to become a top tier elite on American, I switched pretty much all of my flying to Delta and to Alaska. And I actually spent almost two years at my father's ranch in Montana during the pandemic. So I ended up flying Alaska quite a bit. But the funny thing about that is now that Alaska is part of one world, I sort of switched my elite status to Alaska, but now I have status with American via one world. So it, it all kind of worked out. But I, I love American Airlines. They all they have a very warm place in my heart. They were my first big airline. And I love how they're really building up international flights flights out of Philly. And I think that is an interesting strategy. I'm curious to hear from you what that sort of hub strategy looks like from American going forward. They made a big push into Philly for international flights, especially to Europe pre-pandemic. So I'm, I'm just curious from your point of view, is that trend continuing with American? It's a really good point. We were their transatlantic gateway. We had more flights to Europe than any other American Airlines hub. It was something that we were really proud of. We had not just the mainstay destinations like London and Paris and that, but we also had a lot of boutique destinations. In fact, one of my podcasts was all about flying to places like Prague and Budapest and Dubrovnik. And those boutique destinations are not back, but we are really excited this summer, finally. And, and look, you know, as well as I do, there were just so many restrictions on flights to Europe during the pandemic, but we have 12 daily flights. We'll have 12 daily flights this summer to 11 destinations on American alone in Europe. So we're pretty excited. I think it's going to take some time because that's, you know, one of the other things that I know you all have written about and we've been observing, but the the difference between leisure and business traveler, what does that do to the destinations that the airlines decide to serve? 
Yeah. And I think what's come back first, obviously, is domestic, where it's easier to travel. I think now that the restrictions are falling, the mass mandates are falling, the last sort of big barrier to international travel is that testing requirement to come back to the United States. Hopefully, that's not long for this earth. But I think to your point, we've seen a full recovery of domestic and then some, right? So fascinating, but the numbers are actually surpassing sometimes pre-pandemic numbers, which is crazy if you consider where we were even a year ago. But that international business has not fully come back yet. So I'm excited. I think your airport in particular is well-positioned for continued international expansion. And I think as the international travel recovery ramps up, probably fully next year, but I think you're in a a really good position to see that business boom again. I hope so. It's really been interesting when we look at the Latin and Caribbean markets as an example. So going back to that whole leisure versus business thing, our Latin and Caribbean markets, the seat capacity is up 29%. When I look at the July, 2022 numbers compared to 2019, now European traffic is down 30%. I think that speaks to the leisure traveler, but what other kinds of trends are you seeing nationally that you think are significant? So I think one of the fascinating things has been the dramatic expansion of traffic to places like Bozeman in Montana. You know, when I was growing up, Montana was like, it was like a cow town, Bozeman, but now it's one of the most incredibly fast growing leisure markets. You know, it used to be regional jets that were flying into that airport. Now it's all 737s. Everyone's added flights, American, United, Delta, Southwest. I mean, it's just crazy with that kind of growth, but we're seeing that across Western airports and those sort of mountainous locations where they're close to national parks. I think people feel safer when they're in wide open spaces. So you're seeing real big boom to places like the Mountain West and also Alaska. And then Florida, Florida, I've never seen anything like the growth we've seen to Florida. And you must see that too out of Philly. It's pretty wild. You know, you touched on it with the Caribbean travel, but closer to home destinations have surged. Mexico is on fire. The other trend I've noticed is the combination of leisure with business travel. And I think that's going to be a huge story as we go forward, you know, with potentially less business trips, but longer stays. So businessmen are not just flying in for one day, one meeting, one night at a local hotel in Philly, for example, but they're Mm -hmm. extending that stay. So it becomes a a bigger trip and maybe they even bring the family. So I heard the term leisure, right? Yes, exactly. (laughs) Right. So I've got to go back to Montana and then I'll touch on Florida for a second. But so where is your father's ranch in Montana? My husband grew up in Montana. Oh, you're kidding. So I grew up summers there. Our ranch is near Butte, which is in the, near the Continental Divide, about an hour south of Bozeman. Actually, Butte has just added another flight too. So it's booming there. But as soon as the pandemic hit, the ranch had always been my escape plan in case Armageddon happened. Who knew that I would actually have to trigger the escape plan? So I went there after they closed our offices in March of 2020. I went to Montana and I spent the next almost two years there. And I'm finally back in New York, but I love the time in Montana. It was just amazing. But the secret is out of Montana. Everyone, every, everyone has discovered it. Oh, I know. It's crazy. So his mom and dad are in Polson. They uh, live on the lake, which is just gorgeous. And we're headed there in a few weeks. Daughter number two is graduating from the University of Montana. So we'll be in Missoula. So Awesome. We always used to, growing up, my dad used to always lead us in chants of Bula Bula beat Missoula. That was the big uh, rivalry between Butte and Missoula. So Florida, I got to go back to Florida for a second, though. Yeah. I, I have a theory that in Philadelphia, there is an unlimited demand for flights to Orlando 
and cheesesteaks. I feel like every time we add a cheesesteak joint in the airport and another flight to Orlando, there are lines. I don't understand where the demand comes from. Yeah, it's explosive. And you can also see that trend, not only with all the airlines adding so many flights to Florida, not just Orlando. Uh, Orlando's obviously a huge example of that, but Miami, Fort Lauderdale, places like Pensacola are getting direct flights from New York now, and it's just booming. Definitely one to watch, but be careful of hotels because I used to be able to fly to Miami for a weekend for $100. I could find a deal on a flight. And then I would stay at a, at hotels. Hotels were fairly cheap in Miami. Now you go and it's $500, $600 for one night in a mid-range hotel in Miami. It's just, I don't know where all the demand is coming from, but you know, Miami is certainly booming. I love what you said about Philadelphia as being a great airport. Thank you for that. We work yeah. really, really hard on the guest experience. We instituted our first formal guest experience program during the pandemic. A little bit of a crazy time to do that, but you know, from the Volunteer Navigators Program to the Wagging Tails Brigade, which is what we call our therapy dog program. We think it's those programs and the employees that do them that make PHL special. Do you think that that makes a difference? I mean, you, you kind of alluded to it before, but do you think that those kinds of amenities and, and airport efforts make a difference in what airport travelers choose? Yeah, especially I would say there's two people that really benefit from programs like that. First is people who don't travel often. So when you've got those airport navigators, I have a friend, Jamie, who works in the Washington, D.C. airport, and he's helped so many people who just don't understand the vagaries of travel get rebooked if they're canceled or find places. And, you know, it's a very stressful situation for new travelers to navigate. So anytime you can expand those programs for them, that's super helpful. I think the signage in Philly is, is really good from my experience, which is also really helpful to those newbie travelers. And then for people who have long layovers, you know, that's so helpful to have a little moment with a dog potentially, or chat with a navigator. And then for the expert travelers, I think Philly's lounge network is a huge win for those folks who are business travelers who have access to some of those clubs and lounges. So I think anytime you have programs like that, it's great. And I believe you have a USO lounge as well. We do. And it's, it's actually relatively new. We had one that was at ramp level in terminal C, I, I think it was before, and it was just not the ideal location for people to find and, and that sort of thing. We built a whole brand new one in terminal E. It gets a lot of usage. And, you know, for me personally, it's a really special thing because I'm a veteran. And so just being able to provide a place to rest for our military members is pretty special. But you cover lounges a lot. Can you talk about the role of lounges today in airports? Look, everyone wants to feel special. And I think lounges are a big part of that. It's, you know, it's aspirational and it feels good when you have a place. I find sometimes lounges are overrated because a lot of times nowadays they get really crowded. When you find a lounge that's peaceful and you can get work done or you just have a charger sometimes makes all the difference to a trip and free food and drink doesn't hurt. So I think lounges are important and they're increasingly important to high-end travelers, especially, you know, they want to know that there's a lounge they can go to, to escape the crowds, especially during COVID. So what about the trend with credit card issuers doing lounges? Can you talk about that a little bit? We have an American Express Centurion lounge. The explosion in 
lounges by credit card companies really tells you how important that is to travelers. So that is a huge selling point for credit card companies. You know, you're now seeing chase lounges in more and more airports coming soon. Capital One now has lounges. So mm -hmm. everyone's copying American Express because American Express was really onto something with the Centurion lounges. And they're incredibly popular. In, in fact, they're too popular sometimes in places like Dallas, there's a waiting list to get in. So when you're in Philly, you don't hear about crowds like that Centurion lounge, which is helpful, I think. But anyway, I think especially for American Express, I haven't been to the Capital One or Chase lounges yet, but the American Express food quality is so much better than what you're going to find in other lounges. They have spa services at some of them. It's just, it's just a nice place to get away, get free, fast Wi-Fi, <laughs> which is really important. Yeah. So you talked about kind of the credit cards and the loyalty programs and stuff. We're seeing that too, and we're watching it very, very closely. What role do you think airports can play in that space? So I think finding the dedicated space for lounges is a huge part of what airports can do to help. Increasingly, you're seeing like new terminals with second floors and the entire second floor could potentially be a lounge. So airports are realizing how important they are for consumers as well. It could potentially drive business to nearby retailers as well. So what I usually do is I go to a lounge for an hour, eat food, maybe get a little work done. And then I take a stroll of the terminal and maybe do a little shopping before my flight. So I think airports have really developed into places where you want to hang out, where it's not, you're not just waiting for a flight anymore, but you're actually making a trip. I'm thinking specifically of airports like Singapore. I mean, that is like an amusement park and you could spend a whole day there. In fact, I did spend a whole day there. I went there just to experience the airport for a full day. So that's the wave of the future when it comes to airports. We're thinking a lot about how the lounges that we have to offer can bring travelers over the line of choosing Philadelphia versus another regional airport. Because unlike some airports, we have competition. Do you think lounges play a role in that? And, and if not lounges, what are the biggest factors that travelers use to choose one airport over another? I think lounges is important. I think you know, one of the things that I love to do in airports is power walk. So just to get some exercise, get some steps in some airports, make it very easy to do that. Some airports make it exceedingly difficult. So that's something important to me as a traveler. I think I do think about lounges when I'm thinking about where I'm going to transit. I think it's important and also crowding. I think that really plays into my choices. When I book a ticket, I don't want to connect in a few airports I can think of off the top of my head. That's one of the reasons I love Philly is because I, I feel like there's some space and there's options in every area of the airport. If we learn nothing else during the pandemic, it's that we've got to expect the unexpected. Looking ahead to this summer, we're getting a lot of indications that there may be continuing disruptions. What's on the radar for you for summer travel? Yeah, you know, I was really hopeful when we got through Thanksgiving without any major disruptions. But then those hopes were dashed over the Christmas holidays because it was just so crazy. There were so many cancellations and delays. And it feels like ever since then, each week, it's a different airline that's had a sort of catastrophic <laughs> failure or, and I, unfortunately, with the labor situation, the way it is with demand, the way it is, and with the sort of shortages across the board, whether that's fuel, food, catering, or staff, I think we're in for a summer of continued troubles when it comes to scheduling, staffing issues, et cetera. So what we tell people at the Points Guy is have a backup plan, have a backup plan to your backup plan, know what other carriers are operating your flights, 
pack your patience is the most important thing. You know, realize that people are understaffed and everyone's working as hard as they can, but then have a backup plan and, and know what other airlines are operating your flight. So if something goes wrong, you can call American and say, hey, can you put me on this Delta flight instead? That's why I think the lounges also are a huge factor because when you have flight disruptions, you can go to the lounge and oftentimes those lounge employees, not for American Express, but for your individual airline. So the Admirals Club in American Airlines case, those agents are empowered to help you and usually you won't have to wait in the long rebooking line. So that's why I think lounge membership underrated sometimes. So I think that's an important factor as well. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. We're hearing the airlines talk about being able to reliably operate their networks. The way we've been talking about it is there's a whole ecosystem that supports those flights. And we need to all be able to provide service reliably, but we're having disruptions. We're seeing it across the country. It's not just Philadelphia, but Uber and Lyft. Look at the surge pricing that's happening and the lack of drivers and equipment. Look at the concessions, you know, and the availability of employees and maybe limited hours. It's, it's really a whole ecosystem. Yeah. And I think you're starting to see airports even have fuel shortages. So I'm hearing stories about some airports having to import fuel from hundreds of miles away because they're having shortages. And I haven't heard that about Philadelphia, of course, but how are you doing with finding staff, with finding employees, with getting fuel, with getting resources? So fuel, we are really, really fortunate. Our fuel consortium led by American a number of years ago decided to expand the storage on airport. And so that project was recently completed. And so we have plenty of fuel capacity now, but again, yeah, it's a a problem across the board. And you talked about staff. We did an early retirement program because at the height of the pandemic, we had to be able to keep the doors open. We had a $500 million loss over the course of the pandemic. So now we're trying to hire people back, but we're 25% down. And trying to find staff is, is increasingly difficult. I think the biggest challenge for us is that we'll get a list of folks who put in for a job. And if you're not ready to call them within a day, they already found another job and they're gone. It's amazing. And I've heard stories about, you know, the, it's especially bad for pilots right now, trying to, airlines trying to find pilots. And I think, I think so many companies reduce staff during the pandemic who knew the business would return as quickly as it did. So I think it caught all of us unawares, but I think it's interesting for pilots in particular, I've heard stories of airlines reaching out to retired pilots, trying to get them to come back. That's how bad the situation is. And the pilots are saying, no, not interested. Look, when you think about how it's so much more difficult, say for a restaurant worker to work at an airport versus at a strip mall or at a downtown location, There are parking challenges. You may have to park remotely and take a bus in. You have to go through a security check. You have to get a background check before you even start your job. It's, It's challenging. Yeah, no, I don't envy you hiring in that situation, in that environment. It's challenging. And I've talked to folks who run lounges and they've had similar issues, you know, just trying to get people to show up for their first day shift has been difficult. (laughs) Sometimes, you know, you get folks who just, who get hired and they never even show up for the job. Let's shift to the future of travel, because a lot of folks, us included, have been talking about how this is an opportunity to come back differently and to really be thinking differently about the services that we provide. What do you think the future of travel holds, both in terms of what's offered and how things work? 
I think you're just going to see continued explosive growth in the travel space. I think more and more people want to travel. They want to have those Instagram moments. So I think you're going to see the continued explosion of travel. But I think some of the trends we're going to see are people staying longer on their journeys, people spending more time at the airport. But I think in general, I think we're going to have to have the conversation about sustainability and what it looks like to travel to places like Hawaii that are super popular, that people are coming to take their Instagram selfies and then moving on. I think the Hawaiian people want tourists to come, but they want them to give back. And I think that's going to be a big trend. I think you're going to see more cities like Venice who just imposed a day trippers fee for people to come into the city because they're just frankly overwhelmed. You know, mass tourism is problematic in multiple ways. So I think, I think you're going to see more and more locations look for more sustainable tourism and longer trips, more time in airports. Sort of remember how malls were When we were growing up, malls were just a place with shops, and now malls are a fully interactive theme park-like experience, and I think that's the future for airports. So we should put in a roller coaster. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for those comments. I really appreciate it. So of all of the airports that you've traveled to, what, what is your favorite? I think we touched on it, but I think the Singapore airport is spectacular. I mean, that water feature they have, they have this circular waterfall that takes up multiple floors in the airport. And it's just a spectacular experience. I love that airport. They even have a people mover that goes around and through the the waterfall. It's just, it's an incredible place. Really amazing. So that's probably my favorite airport that I've been to. You know, when I first saw pictures, when they first opened it up, I didn't believe that it was real. Even looking at my pictures now, because I have them favorited, so they show up on my iWatch. Even now, it looks like a set. It doesn't look like a real place. You know what I mean? Yeah. So as we were prepping for this session, I found out that you've traveled to 50 countries. Mm-hmm. So I had to do a list of the countries that I've traveled to, and, and I'm only at half. I'm only at 25. But what's next for you? And what's at the top of your list? Where do you want to go? So I actually have a trip booked and to Tel Aviv in July and the company, this is a much delayed trip over the pandemic, but the company agreed to let me go try the new Six Senses Hotel. So I'm in the desert. So that's going to be fascinating. I'm booked to go to South Korea in September and I have a big birthday coming up. I won't say how old I am, but I'm old in September. And so I'm planning around the world trip. So I'm going to try to do as many continents as I can and hit some places I haven't been like Africa. So cool. So my list this year, and I'm hoping that I can make it. My husband and I really want to go to Morocco. Marrakesh is, has just been on our list for so long and we're going to try and make it. I haven't been to Marrakesh. I haven't been anywhere in Africa, but Cairo is also very high on my list. And I, the more places you go, the more places you realize there is to go and the more places you want to go. So it's definitely an addictive habit, this traveling. And I will give you a shout out. 25 countries is a lot for most Americans. So you're, you're doing better than most folks. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so appreciative of you taking your valuable time to talk to me and enjoying our, our show. And listen, if you're in PHL, give me a shout. I would love to have a cup of coffee and give you your own behind the scenes tour. I would love that. That sounds like a great plan. And it's been a really fun conversation. To learn more about Clint and the points guy, please visit thepointsguy.com. And to learn more about Philadelphia International Airport, please visit phl.org newsroom. I'm Shelly Cameron. Thank you for listening.